You're listening to the State of Love and Trust, a Pearl Jam podcast. Follow the show on social media and remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on your podcast platform of choice. Now, here's Jason and Paul. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of The State of Love and Trust. It's a Pearl Jam podcast, and I'm one of your two hosts, Jason Carapesi, and alongside me, as always, is Paul Gillieri. Paul, this is a special one today. Um, we've got some fabulous guests from the great state of Alabama joining us uh, momentarily. But before we get to them, of course, thank you to everybody who's listening, new, old. Um, we really appreciate it. Anybody who signed up for Patreon helps keep the lights on. Really appreciate you guys. And that's all the the business I want to get to, Paul. I want to get to the heat of the meat here. Our distinguished guests of honor. Yeah. And and just to kind of give you a, a little, uh, let's say, an amuse-bouche, to quote my friend Brandon, here's a little taste of what's to come. So there you go. That's just a little taste from Iron Horse, the bluegrass band du jour. And with us today, we've got Vance and Tony. Gentlemen, welcome. Good morning. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Pleasure to have you, gents, today. So Vance, uh, you're on guitar. Tony, you're on the mandolin. Yes. Man, where to begin? Uh, I, we know that you guys spoke to our friends over at Live on Four Legs recently. Um, so Randy... And John really gave uh, the listener uh, a good, uh, I guess, introduction to you guys. And I want to kind of dive in and fill in maybe some gaps or expand on some stuff that they touched on and really kind of complement that conversation with some questions that I had based on their questions and your answers. So let's just kind of dive into this. For anybody who doesn't know, real quick synopsis, you guys are from Alabama. You've been playing for how long now together? 20 years. 20 years. I think the first record that I can remember I know that you guys put out was the Metallica cover album, right? Yeah, that's right. Yep. And you guys were very, uh, I guess, excited by that. At least that came through on the chat with Randy and John about when it comes to transposing music uh, to bluegrass, you really kind of went in on, on Metallica a lot. Did you find that like a fun process to kind of kickstart what you guys do? Oh, absolutely. But Metallica was one of those uh, projects that that you do uh, once in a career, I guess you could say, that that it's challenging to the point that you're not sure where to start and you dang sure ain't sure where it's going to end up. <laughs> so, so you just grab a hold and, and you dig into it and you dig into the music and you dig into their spirit about things, you know. And uh, that was that was a challenge. We Vance and I have been playing music most of our life and we've been playing traditional bluegrass music up until we started uh you know doing these uh uh, rock things and 
one thing that we found out real quick was that you can't t- you can't take uh, music that's not intended to be bluegrass and just do a uh, cover of it and make it sound like you're really paying tribute to it. You you don't do it justice that way. The only way you do it justice is is to present it like the song's been handed to you by the writer and here uh do this bluegrass so you you sort of start all over but at the same time uh you you listen and you study what they did to get their spirit and their feel into that music but metallica was a great challenge it was a lot of fun so when you guys think about um transposing another piece of art to your own uh, would you guys rather have less, like simpler music to work with, or more complex music to work with? Like Metallica, obviously, it, it, it's not just a bunch of power chords, right? But it's also not King Crimson. So when, when you have these these opportunities come your way, do you, do you have a preference? Well, we would we would prefer that they there be less for sure. <laughs> but we we have to. We have to wade through, you know, to get to that melody, to get to that chord progression, uh, to find that signature hook line, as Tony mentioned, and not try to just give CMH uh, just cookie cutter acoustic versions exactly note for note like the original artist uh, did that. And sometimes it, it was good for me to not listen to the original cuts too much. Uh, I would I would listen uh, to, to get the melody under my fingers, so to speak, and the chords uh, and, the, you know, those things like that. So I could just kind of let it be me, you know, or be us or be the bluegrass, let the bluegrass uh, style come out. Uh, more that way. If I listen to it too much, I begin to do it just like they did it in order. <laughs> that that seems to be where my ear wants to go. So you'd rather have um, more of a, a, a basic template that you can then transpose to what you would do versus having more to pull from? Like you'd rather, is, it, is it almost like ap- option paralysis when you hear a bunch of things like on let's say you know a metallica song like ride the lightning or something like that where there's so many things happening is it harder to pick out what's meant for you yeah 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 i, I know the uh, modest mouse project uh cmh came to us with that one and, and it was a pressure cooker because they wanted it in two weeks oh, wow. so there there was really no time to 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 listen to it over listen to it i i myself was listening to the songs driving to the studio trying to get the melody in in my head you know and so it really turned out to be a good project because a lot of it was just what we did in the moment you know so uh and and the metallica stuff some of that was you know the same way one one song that comes to mind to show you the the difference is Stairway to Heaven on the Led Zeppelin. You know, it's got that beautiful, their version of the beautiful guitar intro, you know, that's just the signature. And, but we didn't do it that way. You know, it's just got a, what we would call a standard bluegrass mandolin kickoff, you know. And, and so 
and then we went into the song. So that was that was different. That's an example of the difference, I guess. And it's interesting too, because Dolly Parton had covered that song years ago, and so that that kind of laid a bit of a precedent for how how you could rework it uh, to to a degree. I am curious though, just just to go on a, a sidetrack for a quick minute. You mentioned the label kind of coming to you with with these songs. You guys, Cornbread Red, Infamous String Dusters, just a few of these bands that uh, have been the voices behind uh, this particular picking on series. Have you had a chance to kind of get with the other bands? Like, do you guys ever have an opportunity to kind of listen to each other's interpretations? Is it, is it like a a conglomerate sort of thing or you guys each just do your own spin and you really don't have much, uh, much overlap or, or, uh, well, one, one thing that I, that I think, uh, we were able to do uh, cornbread red kind of uh, evolved as a result of us doing the Metallica and the uh, uh, the, the two subsequent uh, projects Ozzy, after Ozzy. that. Yeah, uh, and so so we kind of started a trend of of how to do this with vocals. Uh, CMH had done pretty much most of the picking on was just instrumental versions. Correct. Correct. And so when they came to us, they said, we, we want to do a full vocal version, you know, of, of picking on. And so so we sort of set the template or the tone for for being able to do that. And so now we've seen a lot of bands, you know, come out with with their interpretations of song like like Rocket Man. You know, there's several uh, videos on YouTube out there of people, you know, taking a shot at that one, you know. But uh, but we take a lot of pride and we kind of got that scene going a little bit if yeah. per se you know uh and and so it w- once you sort of hear it done it's like so much music and once you hear it done by somebody and done correctly by somebody then you sort of have a pattern to go by so yeah w- and we knew the guys in cornbread red uh they, and they did a fantastic job of it uh stan daly's a personal friend of ours and and uh dennis clifton and all those guys so so yeah we have had a chance to to talk about things and, and look at things from different perspectives. And I think too, it, it opened the door to, to the bluegrass genre as far as other groups, like you mentioned, uh, and, and showed what can happen. What, because there's so many great songs out there, you know, by different groups that, that just would can cross over into the bluegrass genre so well. And it really, opened up to to me and, and made it more interesting bluegrass in general uh it it's and i think the the general public enjoys it also well we had a, we, we had a comment on our guest book years ago uh father and son for example uh the the father's teaching at the university of, of tennessee up there and, and he and his son couldn't ride in the car together and listen to the same music. They just had to ride in silence because the son was a metal guy and the father was a bluegrass guy. <laughs> and then Fade to Bluegrass came out and they said, finally, we, we have something in the car that he and I can listen to together <laughs> and, and agree on. <laughs> so so that, we took a lot, of, uh, a lot of pride in that. Tony, I'm going to circle back real quick to um, the less or more uh, option before I move on here. Do you like having less or more to pull from for your part? I, I like I like more uh, oh. personally uh, because uh, it, it gives you more colors for the palette, I guess you could say. 
for instance, we like to twin things, you know, on occasion. What does that mean? Uh, twin things? Uh, where, where you're playing, uh, like one instrument will play one part and another instrument will play another part. And it sounds like two people singing together. Mm. Yeah, one, so, one so will play it, the melody and one will play the harmony. Yeah. And, and so it, it, it sort of brings out, uh, for instance, a shot in the dark. Uh, the, the intro that we did to a shot in the dark is, is the banjo and the mandolin twinning together uh and and playing that riff in there and it and it just it turns out you know beautiful and so it's not quite as harsh as the original version mm. it comes out more of a uh a warmer a warmer version you know for bluegrass and it does so so it works out great to do things like that and it, if there there are not places in there to do that then uh you don't have quite as much to work with and you just you're kind of stuck with you know just a uh a sort of a passive approach or you have to start creating that uh, out of thin air right right um it you know, gives you that place to start got it that makes sense so to my knowledge you guys um weren't fans of pearl jam before this project right you just you didn't you probably heard of them maybe but like didn't know any of their music is that correct yeah correct okay so when um when you first heard the songs what was your initial reaction to the music what, what were there any preconceived notions or feelings about the band before you got the music and then when you heard the music for the first time what was the reaction to that that's the great thing about us is that uh we grew up listening to bluegrass and light rock you know the eagles that kind of stuff you know so when we, we've been pitched these projects. Uh, we're just we're coming into it with a fresh ear to it, and Pearl Jam was was a perfect example of that. We didn't know a lot of their music other than what we'd heard on the radio, you know, especially like in commercials and things like that. Had been used uh, commercially like that. So when we when we're listening to it, we're, we're listening to uh, you know how did they get here. You know, what is it in this music that makes them what they are? And that that that's what turned us on to it. I mean, usually once you dig into these bands, you kind of figure out what their where their genius is. You know what what got them here? You know, uh, money can make a band. But most of the times these bands, they have made it for a reason. You know, it's because they have something real out there that they that they do different than anybody else. And uh, Eddie Vedder sings a little uh, off the beat. Uh, and In contrast with bluegrass. Yes. Uh, we're bluegrass twos and fours. You know, you're hitting on top of the beat all the time. And, and when we're listening to that, we're going, wow, this is going to be a struggle right here because <laughs> of the way he enunciates an unusual. That's a great thing. point that you pull out that he is not great at enunciating. Yeah, exactly. A bit of parody over the years. Yep, <laughs> that's that's true. And so, so it it made it a challenge for us. So the more, so okay, now we got to get over that hump. So how do we how do we do that? And as we did that, we uncovered other things that they could do, such as the the band has this really uncanny knack for just plowing through and just playing what they play in time and playing great uh, fill music where they where it needs to be played and 
he goes on and sings the way he sings. It's it's like two different things going yeah. on at the same time. It's unique, and it makes it interesting. It is very unique. Uh, we, we haven't run across a band like that. You guys mentioned to our friends over at Live on Four Legs that you, you were thrown by where Eddie enters a bar vocally. So how did that affect your approach to covering some of these songs? Oh, well, first off, Vance did most of the lead singing on it. Uh, I did uh, Spin the Black Circle. And, and so, so when, you're, when you're doing, when you're trying to vocalize a song like that, and it's just like, bam, bam, spin the black, spin the black, spin the black. Uh, my uh, adjustment to that was to be on top of the beat with it and and not like on the offbeat, just sort of in between. So so it it makes it uh, you have to you have to have a paradigm shift in your mind. You have to hear it one way and do it another. And that's I think that's what Vance was alluding to a while ago is is that if you if you listen to that too hard and for too long, you'll tend to do it the way they do it. Mm. Uh, but you can't do that with him and 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 make it a bluegrass song. I was going to say my my ears were tripping out because I'm like I'm expecting him to enter, and then you come in like a, a half a beat or a beat later, yes. and I'm spin 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 the black circle. I'm like, what? Yeah, it's for a loop, man. <laughs> it is. It's very different. It's it's very different, and it's it's hard to get your head around. We were listening to the song, going, okay, now what are we going to do with this? You know, it's, it's a it's a great song. We 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 want to do it on yeah. the project. But how are we going to fix this? So we had to do some music, and then we had to try a few things before we could get it dialed in as to how to make that cut actually work. But and you didn't scream, which is interesting to us. <laughs> <laughs> don't let us scream much in bluegrass. <laughs> well, on on a lot of the songs, uh, uh, what I did uh, was at the studio. I just had the lyric sheet in front of me and when we had our track down, we had all the instrumentation there. I guess we had the foundation laid. And so what I did was try to fit it, fit his, the lyrics and the melody as best I could, you know, in, in the bluegrass genre. And some of those, sometimes it took me multiple takes to get it, you know, to satisfy me. And then if it, then it's got to satisfy the rest of the guys in the group. So it was, it was an enjoyable process. Uh, it was fun. Uh, it was, it took some time, uh, not, not, not hundreds of hours, but, uh, certainly, uh, several hours on each song to get the vocals as, as, as they are. Let, let, let's sit with some of those hours for a second. C can you talk a little bit about the challenge of repurposing a song that's really reliant on rhythm to a style of music that doesn't really feature a percussion section? Yeah, that's a good question because we've run across that over the years. Uh, the Guns N' Roses was, is one of those projects that, uh, that we did that was that way. It, it was hard to uh, – their music is pretty smooth. It, it's really smooth and it, and it, it has a good flow to it. Uh, and for some reason, transcribing that into bluegrass, uh, the rhythm came out stronger in it than some of the other groups that we've covered, such as such as the Modest Mouse. We sort of had to make that rhythm in, in the Modest Mouse project. Mm. Uh, in Guns N' Roses, it, it was already there. And, right. and no matter how you did it, it came out sort of the way they did it. 
it, it there wasn't a lot of room in there yeah. to, to make that change in it, if that's what you're asking. Well, I noticed that with a song like um, Rearview Mirror, where, um, yeah, it's very percussive in the way that the drummer plays the drums, but Eddie's riff, that main riff, it's a very percussive rift, so, riff. So it almost leads you in a sense. Were there any other songs that you felt led you more easily down that percussion um, trans? transposing path if i can make up a term <laughs> well that given to fly was mm. was one that ended up uh that way it, it it's a beautiful song it, it's, it's very beautiful and it's it, and it's percussive to to the point that uh at times that's what you end up focusing on it is 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 the the drum beat behind it more than a guitar riff or anything you 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 sort of that sort of comes into your feeling the song. And that, that was one that stuck out to me that, that, I mean, it's not in your face sort of percussive in the rhythm, but it's so subtle that it's, it's part of the song. It just, when you listen to it, that is it, you know, that's what's driving it. Especially at the end of the song where he crescendos up to the big voice and, and he's really putting it out there. Then, then it, it becomes sort of all powerful then in that percussive nature. You know, I wonder about, you know, when you said that the way that Ed performs and the band performs almost feels like two different entities in a sense, but that it works for them. I feel like ordinarily most people would say that's, that's not a good thing because it doesn't sound like a cohesive unit. Can you tell me why you guys feel that it, it does work for the band and how that helps you guys in bluegrass? Well, I guess if you if you listen to a lot of bluegrass, like you said a while ago, uh, spin the black circle, for example, you anticipated the vocals to come in when when you hear them, and, and in bluegrass, you know, it's it's that same thing. I think what makes it interesting is it's kind of unexpected. Uh, it, it does. It's not fitting like a glove. It's not like. You know, it, it's it's like the band and the vocalist or the vocals are, are separate and they're doing their thing and the band's doing its thing. Uh, but, it, but it makes it interesting, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Cookie cutter is, is the best way I can describe it. It becomes boring, you know, mm -hmm. and, and we, we've seen it in, in all styles of music where somebody comes out with something great, a great project. And then they try to come follow it up with something just like that sounds just like it. And, it, and it's not as interesting, I guess. So uh, maybe, maybe it's interesting for that reason. So CMH sent you guys about I think, 20, 20 tracks to choose from. So how did you guys arrive at the ones that you, you picked? Like, why did you choose those ones? <laughs> that, that's a super good question. Uh, that we, we listen to every track and, and first off it's, we have that lazy bone in us that goes, okay, which ones of these tracks are, are going to be the easiest for do? <laughs> and, and then did you second, have more than two weeks to do this, by the way. Oh, yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah. Okay, good. Then you don't have to go the meat route. There you go. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> this one, this one was harder than, uh, for me, I'm only speaking for me. It was one of the hardest projects that we, that we had done. 
and, and it, and it we, ha- we pushed and pushed and pushed on it. And at, as we're going through those 20 tracks, uh, some of them are going, okay, well, you know, this is sim- simple enough track, but it's almost too easy. And the substance in that track isn't quite what we feel like is their best stuff. Of Which the tracks would those be? Tony, I can't remember. Oh, we'd have to have that. Come list. on. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I knew you were going to ask that. It, it, but, but, but the ones that, that didn't make it on there, didn't make it on there because we did, we felt like the other tracks were better in their melody and their vocal style. Uh, and so it, it was, it was pretty simple. We got down to the, what was going to be the last two tracks and we got stumped, uh, you know, because we had so many tracks left. B side. Uh, yeah, exactly. So, so we're so so it almost became. Well, we're gonna have to toss a coin on these last two. We got down to the ones before that were absolutely no brainers. We we're going to do these. We're going to do these. And we got to those last two, and it's like now you've got the other ten that are left on there, and you're going, okay, well, which one is that going to be? Uh, that that was tough because they were all really close together in the way that we would judge tracks that that we want to do. Are you at liberty to share what those two were and, and whether it was heads or tails? <laughs> uh, we probably better not because we've had people ask us. <laughs> oh no! That, Why didn't you put this on there? Why didn't you put yeah. that on there? I you could do a part two though. Yeah. <laughs> so. Cool. Well, that's interesting because I'm curious now that you've done this and maybe you guys did this with some of the other bands that you've, you've transposed as well, but have you had an opportunity to kind of explore Pearl Jam's catalog, like, and listen to other songs? Have you found any others that maybe weren't presented to you by the label that you think you could have also covered? Uh, We, we did. As a matter of fact, there was two on there and I'm trying to think what they were. It was rear view and something else uh, that, that, were really edgy, I guess you could say, that were close together. And uh, the I can't I can't remember the name of the other song. And, and we drilled down because we had listened to it. It wasn't on the list. And we we're going, okay, do we go back to the label and say, hey, we should put this one on there? Or do we just go ahead and put rear view on there? And so we we fooled with it with the guitar a little bit, just sitting in the studio. And we decided to go with with rear view. But yes, we did listen to other tracks, but we mostly stuck to the ones that they sent us because they covered everything so well that the label did as far as sending us what to choose from. And I I know they have their reasons for the tracks that they pick, but we generally uh, ourselves when they send us the list, we have gone back on other projects and said, you know, we would rather do this and, hmm. and, and take this off the list. And so they've so been good. They CMH records has been just fantastic for us to work with. Those guys are, are, they like to be creative. They like to let us be creative and, and that's great. They've really been, been good to, to, have to, you, to let have some freedoms in it. Like if, not that, not that you necessarily have to, but if you presented them um, the idea of doing like an EP of a few more, you know, um, you know, Pearl Jam is kind of famous for multiple encores in a show. So perhaps, you know, you've got the main, the main set there. Um, could Have you, so you've gone back, you've listened to some more. Could you say, Hey, these four or five, 
we'd love to do i know i know you guys chose these 20 songs because they're like the hit singles that everyone's going to grab it oh i know alive oh i know even flow i know whatever but you know pearl jam fans are kind of hardcore and they they want that content you know what i'm saying so could you say hey there's there's four or five we want to do a little ep would, would they be down for that uh we would definitely be down for that uh they they handle the business edge of that and uh and, and it may be to the point you know depending on how well you know this project goes over that they would come back to it and do that we would have no problem doing that well, it, when you mentioned even flow uh the the way that song came out we're listening to it going okay we, that actually became the benchmark for a lot hmm. of the project it, it turned out so well we thought it did uh and we thought well this will be the the benchmark that that we gauge the rest of these cuts by because we like the vibe of that particular cut so uh you know when we we're picking the other songs we sort of waited a, against that particular song so adding other songs to it uh would be no problem if, if, so, if so maybe even flows the answer to this question, but maybe not. Was lyrically speaking, at least, was there a track of the group that you enjoyed the most to cover? Oh, man, there, there was so, yeah, there so were, many there, of them. Man. Yeah, there were several that's, you know, it, it would be, it'd be hard for me to pick and choose. I like even flow, uh, daughter, you know, I, I think that was, uh, a good cut. Uh, and they touch on some very, you know, serious, dark, sometimes um, topics. I mean, even flow about homelessness and daughter about a learning yeah. difference, uh, disabled, not disabled, but a little girl who might have a problem learning and like in the, in the relationship with her mom, like there's some heavy stuff on there. And so I'm, I'm curious. And we had an episode that come out last week where we talked about challenging, difficult songs um, to listen to maybe from an emotional standpoint or music standpoint. And it kind of depended on when you got into the band. Like if you're younger, those, those darker topics from the early days might be harder to digest than, you know, heartache or, or learning uh, about being a parent. Like your entry point is a different way to look at it. So coming from where you guys are at, does the lyrical content, um, how does it sit with you hearing somebody sing about these kinds of things? Well, better man is almost, is almost a country song. (laughs) (laughs) Well, when when you when you listen to the, the lyrics in it, you know, and and the, the way we visualized that song, you know, when we did the video on it, uh, you know, it 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 sort of had that country thing. Here's this gal, you know what, you know, can't find a better man, you know, uh, or are you stuck, or you know, you you could you could look at that from a lot of different angles, you know. Uh, depending on where a person is in their developmental stage uh, in life, you know, if they've been married or they just dating or, you know, so, so there's a lot of open application for some of those songs, but you're right. The, the dark side of some of those songs uh, in early nineties uh, kind of stuff, nobody's you know paying too much attention to it today. It could be mm-hmm. construed as, as a little, uh, little pushy, I guess you could say. Yeah, and if you, you know, go if you go back and look at the history of bluegrass and, and the song content, I mean they're there's they're killing songs. I mean, it, it's it's so many of them. Banks of the Ohio, Knoxville Girl, 
you you could just little on me wise. I mean, it's it's why why did you do that? You know, <laughs> but, but you know it's it's there in their old song. So the the darkness even comes from in the bluegrass genre genre from way way back. You know, right. it's, it's there. Yeah, and it's surprising. Yeah, like you mentioned, ride the lightning. I mean. It's hard to get much darker than Ride the Light. Yeah. <laughs> or one. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, I mean, it, you're not wrong about the, the, I mean, I think about that Alison Krauss, Robert Plant album that they, the, the new one that just came out. Um, I think that they did a, the Trouble with My Lover track. I think it was that one. It had, it definitely, uh, you led me to the wrong. There's, there's a few on there that have the, the kind of go down some dark, dark paths. <laughs> Yeah, you're right. Bluegrass has been have has been known to not be afraid to do that. You know, I think everybody's pretty secure. If you're playing bluegrass music, you're pretty secure <laughs> in that we're just having fun and singing about a topic that uh, it's like footprints in the snow. Bill Monroe did. You know, uh, he 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 goes over to see this young girl and she's gone out and was he her finds- name Shady Grove. Yeah, it's pretty close, but he finds her dead in the snow and he's celebrating the fact that he found her when the snow was on the ground, you know. So, so it's what a happy track that is, huh? What a happy track, but it sounds happy, Don. That's the thing about bluegrass. He's like, yeah, yeah, I'm so glad he found her, even though she was. What what is your, your favorite bluegrass song to do, and why is it Shady Grove? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a man of constant sorrow. Yeah, there you go. All the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, it's second only to Freebird. Oh boy! Naturally, naturally. <laughs> you um, you guys uh, made a music video for Better Man. Speaking of that song, and I was really curious. First of all, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. And secondly, your approach to the narrative in that is. I was surprised that you went with a young, young relationship when I believe, you know, when Eddie was writing, he was looking kind of, you know, above him in a sense to, you know, a a motherly figure with, um, you know, a stepdad that maybe wasn't so nice, maybe kind of talking about his, uh, you know, uh, childhood a little bit as he tended to do back then. Uh, why did you uh, choose to go the younger route? Kid playing video games, ignoring his girlfriend. What, what, why that? Part of it's because we're old. We need <laughs> seasoned, experienced, advance. Yeah, there, there those go. are the right words. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, part of that is is that uh, we we've had lately, especially a lot of younger uh, people listening to our music, and. And believe it or not, uh, you know, we have grandchildren. And as a, as a matter of fact, that the girl in the video uh, is, is my granddaughter. And she uh, she has a relationship uh, w- with the guy in the video. And there's always this question mark somewhat that comes up, you know, in relationships in general, you know, is is you know, I really dig this person. Uh, but is this the best? that can be and we all know when we're young that question pops up but we don't get it answered until way later in life you know so so we thought it would be a good approach you know to approach it from that young uh viewpoint and if you are thinking that at some point you probably are 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 going to get an answer sooner than later if you're if you're that young doing it 
And so, so we thought that, you know, there's so much that goes on now uh, in that oh, when we were young, of course, uh, we didn't have uh, mobile phones. It didn't have games, Xboxes to play and stuff like that. So it was our interpretation. And I would guess that that probably Eddie's too would be, you know, from that time. And this sort of made sense to us for this time, you know, so without delving too far into the past, you know, so, so that's how that conclusion. Okay. That, that's, that's a nice personal connection though, to, to have her in the video. I think that yeah. that's that's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, she, she'll look back on that in twenty years, and <laughs> it'll be a fun experience. Uh, so th- this last question here is a bit of a two-parter. Uh, I guess the first part is for you: is what's been the biggest takeaway for you, gents, uh, covering all these these popular artists over the years? And then the the second piece is: are there any contemporary artists that come to mind that you'd like to try next? Well, for me, the biggest takeaway in in, in all of this. Uh, every time we do a project, uh, I'm inspired musically. It, it, it's very inspiring in that we can still play music that we love and we can transpose that into music that other people love. And so we, so we all get to get, get together and enjoy music in a little different form. I had a guy tell me one time at a gig, that uh, he said, he said, you know, I love these old songs, you know, that, that you guys have done, but it's so good to hear them in a new context. He said, it's, mm-hmm. it makes me appreciate the song again. So you, so you get these really good songs that, uh, that we've, we've been lucky enough to get to do. And we get to have people who know those songs appreciate them again, the way that, that we interpreted them. And, and that's, that's a blessing. It, it really is. It, it, and every time we do them, I'm speaking for me, I, I'm just rejuvenated then with music again and, and just so glad that I got to be a part of it. Yeah, I, I would second that. I guess one, one thing that comes to mind, a big takeaway is the, the flexibility of, of bluegrass music to absorb, if that's the right word, but be able to be mesh into this this pop this rock you know style of music bluegrass it it impressed me i didn't think it could do that we could do it in the beginning in fact i remember andy uh coming in to to the booth there after we cut one of the metallica songs and he said uh i think we're on to something here (laughs) you sure were yeah, I felt that too, uh, and and I, I I'll always remember that. But you know, it it that's the biggest takeaway for me looking back on it is is we were able to accomplish. I was able to be a part of something that uh, in the beginning I didn't think that I would be uh, had the sufficient talent to be able to 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 do this. Uh, and and it's it's satisfying. It's it's uh, it's an honor to me to be a part of this group uh to to do this so uh it's it's i guess i'm a better musician now than what i was 20 years ago because of all of this because it has stretched me uh to some extent uh but uh it's it's just been a great ride we've talked about on this show a number of times how uh to quote my parents expanding one's horizons 
makes you better uh, on whatever front that you're talking about. If, if it's, if it's music, you know, if, I, if I'm growing up and learning how to play guitar by, by buying the tablature books for Injustice for All and learning Metallica, I'm a big Metallica fan. So learning those things and just kind of being dialed into that, okay, this is guitar. But then you listen to a completely different genre, like, oh, I can play the guitar that way too. And all of a sudden you start in your own way combining those influences and it becomes this melting pot, this this American thing of melting together everything. And so I love that you guys get rejuvenated and find new ways to love your instrument through these bands and, and artists that you would never think would make any sense transposing a Kirk Hammett guitar solo to a banjo or something like that, you know? Yeah, it, you wouldn't. And, and and when you start, when you get into the spirit of those things and, and uh, when Paul was asking the second part of the question, uh, there are so many uh, different things that it's almost overwhelming when you when you think about where you can go with this because uh, once you go to metallica once you've done metallica and once you've gone all the way up to pearl jam that covers a whole lot of music mm -hmm. but there's also other types of music we done a kanye west song i saw that yeah <laughs> yeah and, and so so we had a ball doing that you know so so it, there are things that that we would probably like to do but we kind of need a reason, okay. <laughs> you know, if we, yeah. if we get a reason to do it. Yeah. Then, 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 then we probably will do it. May I make a suggestion? You sure. Taylor Swift. <laughs> I'm dead so serious. A nifty Swifty, huh? Oh my God. <laughs> you would crush that. Yeah. Well, she's got some interesting music. That's for sure. Plenty to choose from. Yeah. yeah. Oh, plenty, plenty. Yeah. And, and she has a couple of fans. Yeah, yes, exactly. <laughs> unbelievable, unbelievable talent there. And, you know, the thing about it, uh, as you guys can appreciate, you know, there's different degrees of that talent out there. And some of it just goes unnoticed, mm. you know, even though it's it's in your face and it shows up in, in different threads of things, uh, you you it sort of it brushes by you and you go, OK, well, that's that's different. And then you sort of go on with life. Uh, in in our uh, perception of things, we we've, we've been able to come back to some of that that we missed in that brushing bias. And now when we hear songs on the radio, the original cuts of songs that we covered, we all agree we sit and lit. We our ears are perked up now. <laughs> we, we still want to listen to it. Yeah, you know. So so you get that appreciation you're you're talking about in in both on both sides of it it's a win-win well uh, on our end we, we want to express our appreciation for for your contribution to to the pearl jam soundscape but but also just music in general We're a big fan of what you guys do love the fact that uh there's just another avenue towards experiencing bluegrass music for for more and more generations of music lovers and i think that you guys are doing an outstanding job of of helping to to, to kind of create a bridge for people who may not know an entry point to bluegrass. So it, 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 it's just a wonderful, wonderful um, operation you guys had going on over there. Well, well thank, thank you. you. We appreciate that. We really do. It's been our pleasure to do it. Thanks to Pearl Jam too. Yeah. <laughs> for giving us a palette to start with. Yep. <laughs> well, Vance Henry, the guitarist of Iron Horse and Tony Robertson on mandolin. Thank you guys for coming on the show. Thank hey, you. Thanks for having us. Man, those guys are legit. The, the, you know what? 
there is an authenticity to them and the, the, the there's a there's a certain level of passion that comes with just loving your instrument, loving what you can do with it. And the fact that they are so open to exploring the bandwidth of what's possible mm. and, 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 and being successful at it too. And I think that's the key. These are not just like, you know, um, this, this exercise in just trying to be weird or trying to be wild and, and it failing spectacularly. It's quite the contrary. I think that this, the picking on series is, is successful for a reason. And I think, you know, they said it best when they said how it's amazing how, how much of how much music translates to bluegrass. Um, there, there's just a soulfulness to it. Um, I wouldn't be surprised speaking of that, if we don't start seeing some Al Green, some Marvin Gaye, mm. I mean, if we start oh, seeing man, some, nice. some crossover in, into genres yeah. like that. So very excited to see what, what comes next from those gentlemen and uh, very, very excited for Pearl Jam fans to get out there and pick up the picking on series album, Pearl Jam transposed into the wonderful world of bluegrass. And I'll tell you what, I, I love the openness um, it's, it's something to, like I said, be really dialed into what you like, but being willing to say, Hey, what's that over there? Yeah, I'll give it a shot. That's fantastic. That yeah. is fantastic. And, um, it really does show all the bridges, uh, of music. Um, there's always, there's always something that connects you to a different style for and, sure. Um, anybody who maybe is stuck in the bluegrass world might hear this or might hear the muse record or the Led Zeppelin cover, or the Van Halen cover record and be like, huh, that's pretty damn cool. And I think, um, it works the other way around. So yeah, if you guys are, uh, obviously Pearl jam fans, check out picking on Pearl jam. It's on all the major providers. So no, no lyric and live cut this week, guys, just this special interview, um, chance to really focus in on these gentlemen from Alabama. So we'll be back next week with the usual, uh, I guess sections. What would you call them? Uh, I would uh, segments. Courses. I, 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 <laughs> your, your usual three or four course meal when yeah. you listen to a State of Love and Trust podcast. I, I will. I do want to leave our listeners with a little bit of homework here. I was serious about Shady Grove. That song is probably on my my short list of all time favorite songs. Period. Uh, it, it's pretty amazing that you can have a song that's that's well over a hundred years old. I mean, it's a traditional Appalachian folk song. Check it out, Shady Grove. Doesn't matter. Who, who is it's been covered by a bazillion people. I mean, there's up to 300 is it public domain at this point. I think it is. And it, I, if, right? it, it, if it is, then that will be our lyric of the week. And we will just jump in and, <laughs> and, and, and with that, uh, it, it's, it's just a timeless, timeless song. Uh, at this point, I think there's like a couple hundred stanzas that have, uh, have emerged as, as variants of this particular oh song. Goodness. So it's, it, it, it's a special track for a reason. So definitely, definitely recommend that one. If, if you, if you're looking for, you know, how do I get into bluegrass that, that, that doesn't have Eddie Vedder's lyrics attached to it, <laughs> which, which first of all, that's the great, great entry point. But if you're looking to expand, uh, I would recommend checking that song out. And by the way, uh, kudos to the gentleman for trying to figure out and sing, uh, yell at better. <laughs> how God about bless that? Them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, guys. Thank you very much. Again, uh, new listeners, old listeners, we appreciate you guys stopping by and having a listen. And uh, if you would like to uh, help the show out uh, a little bit more, then uh, Patreon could be for you. Link is in the bio of all this stuff, social media, this episode. Mm-hmm. And we appreciate that, too. Other than that, uh, we'll be back with you next week for another new episode. And uh, until we do, you've been listening to The State of Love and Trust. Love and Trust.